No, no, no. She's not a medical doctor, but she can sure cure your tax problems or your financial woes. She's the how-to girl. It's the Dr. Friday Show. If you have a question for Dr. Friday, call her now, 737-WWTN. That's 737-9986. So here's your host, financial counselor and tax consultant, Dr. Friday. G'day, I'm Dr. Friday and the doctor is in the house on this beautiful Saturday afternoon. Want to start out the day with a couple just reminders for some of you that uh, may be um, still procrastinating a little bit. On Monday, July 17th is the final day to, to file and you have to do this by mail. We cannot file electronically your 2019 return. So if you have not filed and if you would like to get your refund, if you actually have one, um, that would happen by July 17th, which of course is this coming Monday, I believe. Um, so we have that notice. And then the second notice, I just wanted to make sure if you are also a person that lives in Rutherford County, McNair, uh, Macon, and Haywood and Lewis, there's about five counties out there, Cannon, your final deadline without extension is July 31st, 2023, due to the storm damage that you were under federal disaster extension. So wanted to start the show out with those times and uh, extensions, just so if you're listening and you still haven't filed your 19 or you forgot to file your extension and you happen to live in one of these other counties, about eight of them, most common for my listening audience, Cannon, Rutherford, and Macon, um, you, you still have time and you won't be late, which is the important part of that conversation. So if you've got a question, you can join the show, 615-737-9986, 615 615- Seven three seven nine nine eight six. State of Tennessee has come out with their new interest rates. I think I told you guys last week maybe a little bit about this, but they're pretty ridiculous. If you owe um, money to the state of Tennessee, uh, federal, you know, for uh, sales tax or uh, any of that, then you know they have increased that to almost 13%, I believe. So um that is huge when you're trying to make a deal, you're trying to get paid to get things paid off. Also found out an interesting thing. Uh one thing I like about the people that do actually um handle audits, and I know most of you guys are like, no one likes auditors. Well, you know, it's a job. It's not something that anyone else, it's just it's a job that anyone has to do. And sooner or later someone has to be done. And sooner or later most of us will probably be audited by some format if you're in business especially but had a situation where um a young man had filed um reports be that sales tax business tax franchise x but he filed them but just did not file them correctly so when we got audited all that had to be corrected and uh when that was done it actually eliminated the fact that the uh the penalty wasn't assessed which i thought was pretty neat because, you know, normally we have as much in penalties that we're dealing with than we do with anything else. And uh, because of the way the state law is written, they do not charge a penalty. So again, it goes to show that if you are trying to do things right, if you're working on things, then, you know, you make sure that you are not going to be that person that causes, um, I mean, you know, penalties could have been 25% on top of the interest on top of the amount due. Um, and you don't want that to be a problem with any one individual. So, um, you know, just, 
just putting that out there that you want to make sure that if you're going to be doing your business taxes, your sales tax, and sometimes people think, well, if I don't file anything, then maybe um, everything will be fine. Everything will be great, right? So, but if you file something and even if it's wrong, then at least you have the ability to make sure that you can make it right. So just saying that is important as far as being able to, you know, make it happen. And that's all we want to do. We want to try to keep our penalties and everything down. Again, if you want to join the show, you can 615-737-9986. 615-737-9986 is the number here in the studio. I did get some calls um, last week. I was talking about... Um, having your name and someone else's name on your bank account. So I just want to recap exactly how this is going to work for individuals. Mainly our biggest concern is, is having, what's the easiest way to put this? Our biggest concern is what if there's a lawsuit, someone gets in a car accident and they have their name on their mother's bank account. Is it chance that if they're sued, is that money going to be considered theirs? Now, according to what I was told, any bank account that has your name on it, even if you are only there as you know a backup plan, I guess you would say, that that can put the money into a situation where you are going to possibly cause a problem with 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 someone thinking that money's yours. So if, if you get sued and your name's on your parents' bank account and your pa- and you get sued for that, then they can theoretically say that money is yours. Now I'm not going to say that attorneys can't turn around and prove otherwise that it wasn't your money. I don't know. I'm not attorney. Let me put that out there right now. I'm not saying that that is the case. What I am saying is that there are ways of protecting your parents' assets, making sure that you're safe, that your everyone is safe, and that if someone gets incapacitated or, God forbid, dies, that you have control to do what you want without putting into jeopardy the uh, people's bank account. I've had it happen directly with clients I've represented for the IRS. Prime example I had was the IRS pulls every bank account that your name is on. And in my case, it was a child's bank account that the parents had opened, which you can't not open. Uh, as far as I know, a child under the age of, of 16 or 18, maybe, um, cannot open their own bank account, right? So a parent goes in, they open the bank account, they put the child's name on, you start teaching them exactly how it works. You know, you want them to learn how to manage a bank account, how to do things properly. And so they did this. And when the IRS pulled up this bank account, which was their teenage child's bank account, it had money in it. And they took the money in a levy because the parents were behind in taxes. So again, this was one of those situations. I will tell you in our case, we were lucky enough that we were able to justify, prove that this was not the parents' money, that the parents had not put any of that money into that bank account. And therefore, this particular case, they were able to get that money back. It took months to get that money back. So if it had been something vitally important, we would have been in serious trouble, like if they were trying to pay off their college or something. You never know. So all I'm saying is, if if it's something with, and more more likely, 
the one that my attorney friend shared with me was um, a divorce is what this one was talking about and how the parents or the mother's bank account got pulled into the divorce because her son's name was on the account. And when the attorneys pulled all the information, they had found this account thinking it was a bank account that was his. Now, again, I'm I'm hoping, I don't know for sure, but they, they hopefully figured out that this had nothing to do with him and he wasn't hiding money from the divorce. So the only way to really do this is A, find yourself a great attorney that does estate planning. Very important. Um, I, I use Russ Cook, uh, Jack McCann, both of them are awesome attorneys in town, but um, I'm sure there's others. If you have one, you know, go then make sure that instead of having put your child's name on the bank account, that you have provided the proper power of attorneys. So if you become incapacitated, if you um, are unable for any reason, that they are then able to go to the bank and have the privilege of being able to handle paying your you know, bills or, or whatever it is that needs to be handled. That's the right way to do it. Now, again, I don't have a perfect answer for the case I had because this was a minor child. That's not like you can't, you could have closed the bank, I suppose, but you know, most children need to learn how to manage money. And the only way to do that is usually with our parents opening up bank accounts for us. So you know, obviously the next suggestion is, is let's not get in trouble with the IRS and then we don't have to worry about it. But, you know, the world, if it was so perfect, we wouldn't have some of the problems going on than we do. So right now, it, the biggest thing is for many of you that may not know who I am, I am Dr. Friday. I'm an enrolled agent licensed by the Internal Revenue Service to do taxes and representation, which basically is all I do. So it means if you haven't filed taxes, maybe you've received some love letters or you know someone that's just basically losing sleep, they're panicking because they know they haven't done something, but they don't know where to start. And that's always the hard part, right? It means I haven't filed taxes in 10 years. How in the heck am I going to come up with the paperwork? Where do I start? What's the process? And guess what? We have one. We can help you start from where you are today and help you get back on track. We've done it for a lot of people in the last 25 years and we can help you as well or your friend or family member first thing you need to know is all it takes is a phone call first we need to do a consult figure out what we have possibly get a power of attorney and then you know we can talk about what's going to fit best into your situation is it an offer and compromise payment plan non-collectible none of that can happen unless you're in compliance very important to get all of your tax papers taken care of. And the second thing is, no, this will not happen fast. I mean, I have people I've been working for, um, I should say with, uh, for years. I mean, we've been, you know, knocking it out, getting things moved around, but it takes a lot longer than most people realize when, they, when you think, okay, all I want to do is get caught up, pay off the IRS or get a payment plan uh, or make a deal. And all of those can take I mean, offering compromises have been renowned to take, you know, eight to 16 months to get resolved. So it's going to, it's not something you're going to have happen. And the best time to do, if you're really thinking about trying to get even with the IRS is when you aren't at your best. I know it's so hard to believe, but the fact is if you're making all the money you want to make and you're, you know, you're, you have equity in a house and you've got a 401k and you've done everything that way, guess what? You're going to end up with, not the kind of deal you keep hearing about on the radios that says, oh, I've got 10 cents on the dollar. I can make sure we've made many of those deals. But to be quite honest, that's not people that are uh, in home ownership with lots of equity. They're not people that have a ton of collectibles or cars or or money in 401ks or stock portfolios. 
you know, the government's going to say, hey, you guys invested into that with our money because you didn't pay us. So they want their share of it. But if, you know, if you're at the rough time and you're trying to get things squared away, then that's going to change a few things. So that's important. We're also going to talk and see if anyone's actually listening that knows anything about the whole unemployment situation where people are being um, told they have to come back and then they have to pay back the unemployment that they received from Tennessee Department of Labor. We'll talk a little bit about a case or so I have uh, going on, um, but to be honest, we don't deal with Tennessee Department of Labor uh, audits. So anyways, we're gonna take a quick break. When we get back, you can join the show, 615-737-9986, 615-737-9986. We'll be right back. We are back here live in studio. This is the Dr. Friday Show. And if you want to join the show, you can at 615-737-9986, 615-737-9986, taking your phone calls. And it looks like we've got Gene on the line. Let's see if we can get Gene on the show. Hey, Gene, thanks for calling. Hello, Dr. Friday. Um, I have a question regarding um, revocable living trust. I believe Mm -hmm. you have to file an income tax uh, just as if that is an individual. And I want to know a comparison of the the rates, Uh, like $50,000 of income to an individual or couple, would uh, a trust that they had placed their farmland and the income came from the farm, would a trust uh, wind up with the same rate? Well, revocable living trust um, is basically the kind that you don't file um, a tax return on, but irrevocable, and I get those sometimes, I will tell you, you know, often there's two sides, but if it's a revocable, that one comes into play after you've passed away. So the tax rates don't really come, but if it's an irrevocable, that one does have, and they do have a higher tax code in the, in, in those situations, uh, than, than a normal individual, um, for tax rates on, on that situation. So they're, tax rates basically the highest tax rate is 37 percent, which is pretty much the same as ours uh that run under there but they end up starting at like 24 percent, and we start as low as 10 so it um it is definitely not a compatible situation there are there are usually legal reasons that people want to have an irrevocable trust or inheritable reasons but um but normally with a, a revocable trust, which is what I have and probably many people have, uh, it, that will only happen if we pass away. All right. So with a revocable trust, the mm-hmm. income from that property that's in the trust flows to the to individual, the, right? 100% correct, yes. Yes. Oh, well, you... Uh, you are so informative, and we enjoy your program, and thank you. Thank you very much for listening. I appreciate it. Okay. Uh, all right. Goodbye. Thanks. Have a good Saturday. Okay. So we're going to, uh, if you want to join the show, you can. I appreciate the phone call. 615-737-9986. 615-737-9986. Taking your calls, talking about all my favorite subjects. 
Um, and then hopefully some of your favorite subjects. If there's something that you um, have happening, again, it, it is still tax season for 2022. And um, so we've been working a lot on getting them completed, partly because a few people were actually in the storm area. And so we're trying to get those completed before the deadline. And otherwise, it's just the quieter time. So if you haven't, you know, if I know a lot of people or many people prefer to have their taxes done on or before April 15th. The nice thing about waiting until after the April 15th or thereabout deadlines is that if you have a business or if you have a, um, a, a number of rentals or just a larger tax return, it is usually probably more beneficial to have someone do it after because then we have more time. Things aren't quite as crazy in our offices than they are when you are actually, um, you know, during the midst of seeing a client every half hour and 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 producing tax returns. But uh, there hasn't been a whole lot of changes in the tax code for for the new year uh, so far. I am watching a lot. There has been discussions again. They're trying to add more. They're they're successfully adding more revenue officers. Uh, again, when I was dealing with Tennessee uh, Department of Revenue, who was handling a couple audits for a couple cases we're handling, um, they have taken on a number of new trainees in the uh, they're in out of the Cookville area, and so they have um, brought in. So they are training a lot more people to be able to help perform. Obviously, more audits, which actually produces more income for the state. So therefore that's the reasons for it. And, um, and you know, there are some pretty interesting changes. If you're a business owner, I would definitely suggest taking some of the seminars at Tennessee department of revenue. Uh, they have, uh, usually one, they, they have a bunch on their website, but they also have many of those that you can go on live ones that will also be available, especially for small business owners, hotels, because many of those things are constantly changing. I, I still run into people that haven't set up tin tap accounts so i mean by by law now you have to pay electronically for your franchise excise your business tax unless you had been able to get a waiver there was a couple older individuals that were able to because they didn't have computers to be able to get that waiver but most of those have now uh, i think expired so uh again things that you want to do, making sure that your business is in compliance, not just for the federal government, but also the state. You know, I mean, we have uh, last week, I must have had eight different people that got letters from the uh, state of Tennessee for their annual reports. And none of them knew exactly what they were supposed to be doing. It usually comes on a big yellow sheet of paper or thereabouts. And it says notice of determination and it has your company. Um, and, you know, that's that's not even really a tax um, that is your annual report that you have to file and then, um, you know, pay your annual fees to stay as a corporation or an LLC. But again, if you, you know, to do, to operate a business in Tennessee, especially if you're operating as an LLC or a corporation, you'll be dealing with the secretary of state, Tennessee department of labor. Most corporations have to have employees. Um, not every LLC does, but most corporations do. So you'll have labor, then you have the federal. And then of course you have Tennessee department of revenue, which handles all of our business licenses and our franchise excise. And um, and then if you're a truck driver, right, guys, you guys all have different taxes, road taxes and things that I think uh, most of those are also paid, liquor taxes, all those are almost paid right through the Tennessee Department of Revenue or ABC. So the problem with this is, is that there's so many little people, uh, little situations out there, but 
if you are not able to file all of those reports and stay in compliance, you're going to get somebody coming and knocking on your door. And in many ways, I believe that the small businesses have a harder time in many ways because they sometimes just forget or they, you know, they have a friend and they buy inventory directly from them instead of buying it through um, the vendor. And therefore the retail accountability um, doesn't add up or those kind of things. But, you know, once you get uh, everything going the right way, you'll find that it's a little less stressful. So if you've got a question, maybe you're thinking about what should I do to open up a new business? How do I make a new business? You know, should I be an LLC, a corporation? What's the really the big difference? And yes, you do need an attorney to set those up, but I can certainly tell you tax-wise, what is the best way for you to set it up, at least as far as when I'm doing and where I'm doing it um, and what we have going. Um, so we will be able to take a look at those and also when and owing a business is smaller to save money on tax and living. So, okay. I'm going to answer those questions uh, in a few minutes. Um, I'm getting some emails or texts in guys. Sorry. I'm one of those people. I can't necessarily talk and read at the same time. So, uh, it makes it for challenging. I'm sure for all you guys that have been listening to me for almost 15 years, you probably heard me more than once, uh, babbling over on my side because, well, sometimes that's what you have to do. But if you want to join the show, you can 615-737-9986, 615-737-9986. We're going to talk a little bit um, after taking a break. We're going to talk a little bit about what it will take for you to get back into compliance. What should you be watching? What is the, what is the more... What, what could cause an audit? I'm always asked that. I'm asked that many, many times. What is the, you know, what is the most likely thing I could do that would cause an audit? You might be surprised on what those kind of things can be. Um, I'll share with you what the IRS has shared with all of us. The Most of the time, whenever I start an audit, I will let you know that they come up and they say, it's a, it's a random pick. You were randomly picked uh, for this audit. But we find that sometimes that isn't always the case, that sometimes the word random is not so random, that there's a, you know, actual computer system that picks out the things that are irregular or something that's happened a little less or a little differently than other things. So we make those choices in there. And sometimes, sometimes we don't have a choice. I mean, you sell a big piece of real estate or you relocate or you change jobs. Those are things that's going to make your tax return seem or move a little differently. And those are also what the things they see that will sometimes consistency, it doesn't wave as many flags than when you might do things differently. So that's really the biggest secret the IRS basically has triggered or that the IRS is looking at something like they'll be auditing people that all have um, stock, right? I've had that many times, certain number number of transactions or something like that where it comes out and, and becomes more of a situation. All right. Hey, sweetheart, let's go ahead and do Karen before the break. Even if I go over a bit and then I, we can not have her hold through. Hey, Karen, what can I do for you? Hi, thank you. My sister sure. is the executor of my father's estate, uh -huh. and she paid her husband over $6,000 to do work there to get the house ready to sell. Does okay. he need a 299 for doing that work? Absolutely. Absolutely. If she paid him, he is not a beneficiary of the state, so she can't even consider that as a... Um, 
you know, an advancement. I mean, I'm assuming the checks were made out to the husband. Um, so that yeah. it, it wasn't, it was work. I mean, he, he prepared, he, he cleaned, he did whatever he did, um, which was actually considered labor. It wasn't part of the inheritance. So he needs to pick it up. And then, you know, obviously he can write off any expenses he might've had driving back and forth. If he was a, you know, whatever his situation might've been, he may have some deductions to write against that. But yes, there should be a 1099 issued to him uh, on behalf of the estate uh, because of the work he did. I greatly appreciate your help. Thank you. No problem. Thanks, Karen. I appreciate you calling. Okay, let's yep. go ahead and take our next break, guys. And when we get back, we can hit Charles and some of the other people that might be joining our show. We'll be right back with the Dr. Friday Show. Friday, we are back here live in studio. And you can uh, join the show at 615 737 9986. 615 737 nine nine eight six and let's go ahead and hit charlie hey charlie what's happening uh yes ma'am i am interested in buying an electric vehicle and utilizing the seven thousand five hundred dollar tax credit okay my my only problem is is because my wife and i are retired and we use social, live on Social Security and a small IRA withdrawal every year, I do not have a taxable income. <laughs> well, I'm not laughing at you. It's a wonderful problem to have at the moment. But you also, um, the credit, if I'm correct, and let me just double check to see if it's refundable, but I don't think it is. If it's refundable, well, if you don't have taxable income, you can't file it, well, you can file a tax return right. still. So, um, but just curious. I file every year and um, I always give back everything that was withheld from my withdrawal from my IRA. I guess my question is, and I'm not sure this would be a sound judgment. Could I take a very large distribution from the IRA to the point where I would have exactly. taxable income? Yeah. Yeah. No, you, I love your thought because it's not a refundable, but you could spend it. So you could take a larger, do a conversion, maybe convert some over to a Roth, even if you don't need it and use that money and put it towards those taxes. And you could convert, you know, whatever, depending on your income bracket, you know, anywhere between, I mean, theoretically 40, 50 grand possibly. I mean, again, I'm throwing a number. I don't know you personally, but it would be a nice healthy conversion that you could use and then either roll it over or do what you want to do. That's totally your choice, but I think that's a great idea. Otherwise you're leaving it on the I, table. Uh, our social security jointly is probably around 50,000 a year. And um, I, I just thought it might be a good idea to liberate some of the money out of an IRA and let the government pay the taxes. Well, that's, the, I mean, that's until, especially if it's something you want. I always try to tell people, you know, we don't want to just go buy something because we could maybe save some dollars. But in your case, it's something that you want anyways. So it would be a win-win because unfortunately, otherwise, 
it's a loss. You know, I mean, you, you're going to go out there, you're going to buy what you want because it's, a, you know, it's a smart investment, but you're not going to get the benefits of it, or at least the benefit they're handing out right this second. But if you did the conversion, that would be very, very intelligent. As far as I'm concerned, you can always put, like I said, put in a Roth, let it grow tax-free. You don't have to physically take it out of your retirement, but now the mandate for having to take your RMD is out. So I think that's a great idea. Definitely thinking outside the box, my friend. Okay. Um, I, I really would, my, I guess my other kind of question would be, how would I calculate? I, I realize my social security would become taxable or at least a portion of it. Right. So what you're going to want to do, uh, do you do your own taxes usually? Uh, no, I have someone do it. Okay. Okay. Um, only reason I was to say sometimes if you do, but what you're going to want to do is take yourself to be on the safe side, take the social security and take 85% of that added as income, because that's the worst scenario. Then take whatever you might have for your RMDs that you're just normal life RMD, add that in, and then take a look at the tax code. Because if we take out another $30,000, we're going to be making most likely your social security. That's the mistake a lot of people forget is that right now your social security may not be taxable because you're able to live off social security and your RMDs and not actually have a, a very high taxable situation. But if we take another 30 or 40,000 out, now you're doing dollar for dollar almost of the conversion. So every dollar you take out, you're actually taking and paying another dollar in social security. You know what I mean? So you need to make sure you add back in. And if you have a question, I can certainly throw it into our system. If you want to give us a call during the week and we can do, you know, give you a rough idea of what that would be like, just to give you an idea of how much you might want to convert that would call, that you'd be able to use with the 7,500. It wouldn't take that much. Okay, excellent. I will probably do that. I thank you. And no I worries. have not thought about the Roth rollover. Well, a lot of people, I mean, at least seems like whenever I'm in the, you know, office or whatever, that's a, a big thing to do. And again, especially if you don't need the money, you still want the people to be keeping it invested. I mean, that's what most of us, hopefully the same investor and it grows tax-free or people inherit it tax-free versus the traditional IRA, which now they put the mandate of having to be um, out in 10 years after. So, you know, I'm just saying they, nowadays, if I inherit an IRA, I have to cash it out within 10 years, I believe. Okay. Thank you very much. Sure. I appreciate the phone call. Thank you. All right. Okay. We're going to be um, taking more phone calls. If you want to join the show, 615-737-9986, 615-737-9986. I had someone send over a quick question and I thought it was an interesting one. It was, um, is it, um, is there a better tax advantage to people that live in a tax-free state like Tennessee, where we don't have a state income tax versus states that do have income tax? And I'm sure I'm going to probably be a little bit less. I mean, I love Tennessee as far as myself, and I love the idea of not paying a state income tax. I have a brother that lives in California. I do his taxes. And with the current tax code and not being able to write off 100% of his state tax, he's now leaving from 
back in 16, 17, when we did taxes, you know, he would have 20, 30,000 between his state income tax and his property taxes. And now he can only maximize that area. So instead of having 30,000 in there, he can only take off 10. So states that have a higher state income tax, or you happen to be lucky enough to, to make a decent living that you're able to, um, you know, in your paying state income tax, those states right this second are being penalized in my opinion. Um, so it's definitely not um, an advantage in, as far as for tax purposes. There may be other advantages to living in other states, uh, but the advantage as far as I'm concerned, right this second under the Tarrant Tax Code, not an advantage to be in a state where you have um, not able to write off all of your state income tax. That is not a winning, winning situation. So just putting that out there uh, in answer to that question and having to get and do something with our situation. All right. Well, hey, I got lucky enough. Hey, Gary from Just Lebanon has called. Hey, Gary, what do you got happening, my friend? Uh, thank you, Dr. Friday, for taking my call. Appreciate that. I always enjoyed your show. Uh, starting a new job, um, and uh, they're going to treat me as a, a self-employed individual uh, contractor, and I uh, just need to know about how to set aside money for my income taxes. Uh, is there a formula for that, and how often do I have to pay for, for those taxes? That's a great question. So I'm going to give you a basic rule of thumb. You, you should, in the first year that you started out, it's ideal to try to start making your quarterlies which the usual dates, April, June, September, and January, always on the 15th. You can download those forms. They're called 1040 ES, standing for estimated statement. Um, and you can um, put in and fill those. You can also go to irs.gov and click on the pay button and pay them electronically. Either way, um, Usually, I mean, again, it really will depend on how much money you're making. If you're married or if you're single, there's a lot of other things. But I always suggest any of my clients, a minimum of 20% should go into a separate bank account called taxes. Um, and then the remaining, and this would be from your profits, not from gross. So I don't know for sure exactly what the job would entail. But if it's all your brains, meaning like I do, or there's not a lot of cost to what I do, but more of what my expertise and therefore most of the money I make is is taxable, give or take a few dollars for my, you know, um, computer or something like that. So, um, but I would say, and if you're, if you're single and you're making more than, um, 55,000, or if you're married and your joint income is more than 115, then I would change that to 25%. Okay. Well, it's a counseling uh, job I'll be in. I am married. I have okay. uh, uh, four kids. So, uh, okay. Just saying 20% okay, so into a separate. Just put it aside. Now, you may find out in this first year, you know, I might. Tax law says we have to pay in 110% of what we owed in 2022. So, I would look at that number and assuming your income is going to be somewhat the same, I would not give the government more money than what they need, I guess is what I'm trying to say, Gary. So if you look at last year's taxes, and it says total taxes were $5,000 before all of your credits and deductions. That's what you're going to be targeting again for this year, roughly a hundred, you know, so maybe 5,500. If your wife works a real job, W2 job, I should say. She's going to pay in some money. You've already worked half the year, possibly paid in some money. So I would only be trying to match 
that number and then the rest of it will be sitting in a bank account. So when you do your taxes and you find out you might owe a few more dollars, you'll still have it sitting there, but you won't pay penalties on not making the payment. I just want to make sure we don't make a payment and then have to worry about it later. And I can use my social security number for doing that uh, Ab filing. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're just going to go in because this is going to fall on a schedule C on your personal tax return. So yes, 100%. You'll just file this under your social. So when you file your taxes, there's a category that says that you make any estimates and you're just going to use that as where you're going to put them. But yes. Okay. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. You yeah. have a good day. No problem. Great question. All right. So we're going to take another break here. The last one of the show. If you want to join the show, you can at 615-737-9986. 615-737-9986. I'm Dr. Friday, an enrolled agent licensed by the Internal Revenue Service to do taxes and representation. And so if you need any help with those, that's what we're talking about. And we're going to talk a little bit more when we get back from this break with the Dr. Friday show. back here live in studio the last part of the show so if you've been holding your breath trying to figure out oh my gosh am i going to be able to ask this question or not now would be the time to pick up the phone 615-737-9986 615-737-9986 taking your calls talking about Whatever the tax issue might be, money, that's all my favorite subjects, obviously, trying to figure out the best way to handle each situation and then trying to make sure that you're asking the question before you go and do something because sometimes two heads are better than one. Sometimes we can come up with something better than just thinking, well, I can't do this or I can't do that just because um, you didn't think it through sometimes. So that's an important element in many things in life, but especially when it comes to our finances, because sometimes I'll talk about Roth conversions. I am not a financial planner, guys. It's never my suggestion to ever tell someone how to deal with anything when it comes to that element. But I would always suggest, especially if you're a person that is taking requirement, uh, required minimum distributions, RMDs, and um, and you're over the age of 70 and you give money to charity. You guys know I talk about this a lot because I don't feel enough people talk about it. I can't tell you how many times every year people walk in my office and they still have not heard about the qualified charitable deduction. It is as far, I don't know why more, and maybe there is some financial planners that are talking about it. I have not heard it because obviously people are walking in my office and they're like, oh, I didn't know that. So, you know, it's a pretty straightforward situation. Most people, when you hit 70 or older, we used to have to take our RMDs at the age of 70 and a half. The new law says we take it at 73, but qualified charitable deductions start at the age of 70 and a half. You can take your QCD, which is great because now let's say you want to give, or maybe every year you give $5,000 to your charities. Um, and now we can't itemize it, right? It's smaller than your standard deduction. So there's no way of really getting a tax deduction for it, but you can, if you're over the age and you're able to talk to your financial planner and say, Hey, I heard about this qualified charitable deduction. The money comes directly out of my IRA. It goes directly to the charity through you. They usually write checks, give them to you. You then give it to the charity 
and then you, you file your taxes, you back that out and it is dollar for dollar tax deduction, people. So you would automatically reduce your income by the amount of your charitable deduction. It is a huge situation when it comes to um, getting your uh, taxes down and enjoying still um, enjoying being able to take your charity. And uh, I mean, most people don't give to charity just because they can have a tax deduction. They give because of the other advantages, but why not have both? All right, let's see if we can get Dean from Lebanon. Hello, Dean. What can I do for you, sweetie? Yes, ma'am. After listening to the gentleman talk to you about the energy credit for an automobile, uh huh. this prompted my question. We, I've calculated what I believe my tax uh, responsibility will be for the for 2023, and we okay. have a 30% energy tax credit that'll be coming our way for about $1,500. So it's going to enable us. I think to have a refund simply because of that credit coming our way. But listing about the EV, mm -hmm. would I still be entitled to that refund? Or the government says no, you you only you don't you can't go into a positive situation simply because you mm -hmm. bought a new heating and air system. Right. Well, it, I mean, it sounds like to me in, in your case, and I could be completely wrong again, not sure, but if you actually owe any taxes, that money will offset those taxes and you'll get a refund of the money you physically paid in for your taxes. If you have a zero tax bill, you know, that you don't owe any taxes and you don't have, then this will be the same exact problem. These are um, I don't believe that the energy credits are any, I know I looked up the car, but I don't think these are refundable either. I think they only so reflect, they off. only are, go ahead. What did you say, Dean? I, I, I would be benefit myself then if I lowered the amount of withholding coming out of my paychecks so that I'll actually be in an O situation at the end of the year. Not necessarily. If you, I mean, it sounds like you have other income and in that you usually end up owing taxes. I mean, they, they take some, you may get a refund still, but it's your own money coming back at you. So as long as your tax bill is $1,500 or more, you're going to get everything refunded above that anyways. So anything that comes out of a paycheck or an RMD or Social Security, wherever you might be paying in federal withholdings, they're going to reduce your taxes by that $1,500 credit. And then whatever else is due or left, you're they, going to be refunded. They wouldn't send me more than uh, uh, they wouldn't send me $1,500 if I were to have exactly the right amount of withholding. Exactly. No. I mean, if you, again, if, if when you filed your taxes, you had a it zero balance due tax. and then you took that credit, you would lose that credit. Okay. Thank you so much. No problem. I appreciate that call. All right. Let's see if we can hit Ken really quick. I know the clock's kicking, but we'll see. Hey, Ken. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, my situation is I'm selling a home. Uh, I've lived there two out of the past five years, and I'm wondering how much money is tax exempt. It's the first home I've ever owned, and I believe there is a tax exemption for that. Yes, you're 100% correct. Are you single or married? Married. So it's it's 250 an individual and 500 for married, 1000 so in your case, if you if you've both lived in that house two out of the last five years, you would have a five hundred thousand dollar exclusion. 
and I've only been the one that's lived there. My wife is not. I, I'm living in okay. uh, her uh, house, so it would just be 250 for me then. That's correct. So, and then you would add whatever you paid for the house, and that would be your basis. So, if I sold it for 250 and paid 50,000, the basis would be 300,000. That's right. So you'd have, I mean, you'd have a zero tax. You can't take a loss, but you'd have a zero tax. Wonderful. Okay. That's great. That's what I needed to know. Thank you very much Perfect. for answering my question. No problem. Thanks for calling, Ken. All right, guys, we're going to get down to the nitty gritty of the show here. I really appreciate all the phone calls. I know it's a, a kind of a crazy Saturdays right now. A lot of people are out traveling. Kids are out of school, getting ready to even relocate. I'll have several clients buying, moving, relocating. So I appreciate you listening and also making those phone calls. If you'd like to have some help with taxes, again, I'm an enrolled agent licensed by the Internal Revenue Service to do taxes and representation. So if you need help being represented before the IRS, or if you have questions concerning your taxes or just getting into compliance, or maybe you've done it all, but you just don't know what the next step is, then you can give our office a call on Monday morning. That phone number would be 615-367-0819. is the phone number for the office. If you're trying to figure out, you know, if you've got someone and you're like, I just need to talk to someone. Remember, our initial consultation is always free. So to get a feel for what we can offer you and also gives us the ability to find out if we can even offer you, you know, what you need or if you need to go in a different direction. Do you need to really be talking to someone to deal with bankruptcy because your collections or your your uh, IRS debt is really, really old and it hasn't fallen off yet. But, you know, if you go to bankruptcy, you can clear it or is it something that you need to go to, you know, other types of representation? So that's why we always take our initial meetings and we make sure that they're always free because we just want to make sure we're all on the same page, make sure we can help you in the same way that we fit into what you need. So if, again, if you want to join, uh, call the office, the phone number would be 615-367-0819. As an enrolled agent, one of the biggest things that we do is actually representation. So if you're getting love letters and you're putting them in a drawer, there are time periods that we can do certain things. We can try to get reconsideration on different issues. We can try to get the IRS. But the fact is, in many cases, even like the one I was dealing with um, or had come into my office, it's not one we're representing, but you know, had did the Tennessee Department of Labor repayment. These people, if you leave things in a drawer and you're not looking at them, then you're going to be in trouble because that time clock goes by and then you don't have the ability to actually even give your side of the story unless you're lucky enough to have a reason why you were not able. So if you're getting those love letters, let's not pile them in a drawer. Let's take a look at them. Let's try to figure out what we can do to actually come up with resolution. And then you can actually start rebuilding your life and not worrying about if Uncle Sam's going to come in and levy lean or seize something. So again, phone number 615 367-0819. You can also email Friday at drfriday.com. Friday is my first name, F-R-I-D-A-Y at drfriday.com. Or you can uh, check me out on the web at drfriday.com. That's our website, drfriday.com. I hope you guys are actually having a awesome Saturday, at least in uh, the Spring Hill area. The rain has stopped. So as we always love to say in Australia, cop. You later.